Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Robcast. I am in the kitchen with Julie Pyatt and that's, Rich Roll. Do I say it? I said Pyatt, right? You said it right. Okay, that's what I thought. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, I'm, Rob this Bell. This is fantastic. We're so happy to be here. And Thank this is you so, so surreal. They have an, I was going to say another cookbook, but um, this book, your first cookbook, do you even call it a cookbook? Yeah, we call it a cookbook. cookbook. It's a cookbook lifestyle and guide. aspirational lifestyle guide. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the lingo. That, yes. Call it that. Call it they that. They say. Um, your first, this first one, The Plant Power Way, as you can see, I cooked so m- much from it. I made so many things from it, and it became such a part of my life. And I've made more of these recipes for people who have come over. So to have you here in the kitchen is just slightly surreal so welcome well it's surreal that you that you just that that's the truth and i see like you've tabbed the book and everything and i remember the first (laughs) time i came over here it was sitting on your kitchen counter and i was like come on rob that's a prop like you did that because i was coming over (laughs) so it's it's huge for us that you've been such a fan of the book and it's an honor to be able to come and And now there's the follow-up the sequel exactly and i think well you came to our house for thanksgiving yes maybe a year ago and yep. it was so hilarious because you said you've been cooking in the book and then you were actually in the book, like yes. in real life. I had with, Thanksgiving in the book. It was like life imitating art. So anyway, huge, um, huge compliment to us. So thank you. Okay, so now f- there was This Cheese is Nuts, which was the yes. book on cheeses. That's correct. My friends, seriously, the cheeses that these people bring into the world. But now we have the follow-up, which is Plant Power Italia. That's right. So where do new recipes come from? <laughs> Let's just start there. Why is Let's the sky just start blue? There. Why is the sky blue? Why is the sky blue? And well, much like you, my creative friend, um, they just um, they just arise, really. And I I'm a creator, but I use mm-hmm. whatever medium is sort of in front of me. And I've always had a knack for cooking. I've always loved to have people in my home. I'm the person that can cook for fifty, and it doesn't really throw me. And I always find uh, freshness and new ideas in nature, in fresh ingredients, in you know lineage and tradition. And so we had um, spent quite a lot of time at this farm, this Borgo in Italy, called Aisolana and had conducted some of the most amazing retreats of our lives at this place. And Italian food is so delicious. And here I had presented the plant power way, and then the cheese from this cheese is nuts. Well, what's the key ingredient in Italian cooking is cheeses. So it was really a no-brainer to create this menu, this book really off of the menu that we serve at our plant power Italia retreats that we do every year at Aisolana. So... you're making one thing, and you, does it start with an idea? Like, what if I, or does it start with you messed up on a previous idea and thought, <laughs> wait, if I put more salt actually, <laughs> and it's, I double the whatever? What it was for this is it was this vision of actually taking uh, the Plant Power Way into community. And so the Plant Power Way was sort of like we invited you in and saved a seat for you at our family table. Mm-hmm. But then the next level of that was to really bring the community in. So we had the idea to hold these retreats at Aisolana in Tuscany and different places. We've been to Ireland and we've, you know, we have other plans to go to Kenya and other places. But the idea was to collaborate with the local chefs. And, and so what I did is I dreamed a menu first. So I created it first in idea mm-hmm. um, and created the menu for the week. So it's, we're feeding about 50 people, you know, three meals a day for seven days. Um, so right there, you've got a good chunk of a book, you know, already with all those recipes. It's yeah, quite a right, lot of recipes. Right. Um, and we did two trips. So what I did is I, you know, I revisited the classics, like the Italian classics, like, you know, eggplant parmigiano or fettuccine alfredo or lasagna or uh, fresh mozzarella, caprese, all these type of dishes. And then I reimagined them without any animal products or any dairy products. And much of the book is gluten-free. Okay. Um, but the first book, and I assume Italia, once I get into it, it's not yet marked up, I can actually make this. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. <laughs> like, I bought so many cookbooks that I can't make them. Is that built into the way that you all think about food? It really is. And for me, um, like, I'm, I'm a multidimensional creative being. So I'm, I'm creating, you know, I'm writing yeah. songs, I'm Music, writing Music, yoga, spiritual teacher. Right, all that kind of stuff. And I'm also a mom of four and sometimes five. So... I don't have time. That's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but I don't have time to make it complicated. It can't be complicated. So I excel at taking sort of a global uh, view and finding the simplest way that I can present it to the reader. So I can say with confidence that anyone can dive into my books and create the, my recipes because simplicity is a core theme throughout yeah, all, right, all the right. recipes that we, that we offer. Okay, my Robcast friends, you probably, when you heard the name Rich Roll, you're probably already a fan of Rich Roll, but he was episode 134, which was like 50 episodes. It was one of my favorite episodes ever because we did it live at the improv. You've done other live ones though, haven't you? A couple. It was really fun for me to that do it one. in the comedy club and, and, yes. be, and to do it in front of your crowd of people. It was super cool. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm struck and then you're... Do you call it a memoir, Finding Ultra? Mm-hmm. Um, Rich wrote a book I highly recommend to all of you. As long as, long as you're getting their plant power books, get the, <laughs> the Finding Ultra as well, in which you tell about uh, 39 years old, the eve of your 40th birthday. Yeah, I mean, I kind of tell my whole story. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of childhood stuff in there, and there's, it's a story of addiction and sobriety and recovery, and then it's also a story about middle-aged malaise and, and, and lack of health and the kind of search and journey to repair my health that, that then really led me or catalyzed this deeper journey to explore my potential in the physical realm by virtue of these ultra-endurance races that I've done. But, but really more than that... Um, you know, it's a spiritual journey to wholeness, I would say. And I have all these questions I never realized I asked you, Julie, about Rich. So right around your 40th birthday, you, you tell the story about, I think, climbing upstairs, being like, whoa, mm-hmm. I'm not in good shape here. And then you sort of gradually turn a corner into running, biking, um, plant-based eating, running like five hours at a time and running, all the things that eating, blow our minds. Running, eating, running. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Were you cooking, eating well? Yeah. So he said, he talked about having a drive-through diet. Mm-hmm. If you could buy it through a drive-through window, he ate it. The you, window diet. And this is what I've never explored with you all. You didn't eat that way. No. You were eating like you eat now. Well, similarly. So, yeah, it's kind of fun to sort of share that backstory to the, to the story yes. that got picked up, which is why we're here on the Robcast Ex- to tell the real exactly, story. Exactly, because I think this is really, yeah. Mm, this is key. So, I, um, you know, I've always been a thin person. So, uh, and food in my family was never, there were never any imbalances. I was raised in Alaska on game meat. So by a hunter father. So I ate uh, caribou tacos, reindeer sausage, uh, moose steak, uh, and more salmon than anybody should ever eat in their life. And then I discovered yoga when I grew up. And, and, um, and Did you discover yoga in Alaska? No, I did not, in Los Angeles. So I started practicing yoga, and my desire to eat meat, and along with wine and other things, just fell away. I just didn't, simply didn't want it anymore. It was a much uh, cleaner just feeling of being able to meditate and be connected to, to source. And it, it felt really right to me. Um, and I got what I like to call a gift in 2007. It was after the birth of my fourth daughter. And I got this cyst in the front of my neck. And it was came on very, very suddenly. And it's a thyroglossial duct cyst, very common in children between the ages of like 8 and 12 but it showed up in me in my 40s and went to a few doctors and they said, you know, we're going to have to cut it out of your neck and it's not that easy of a surgery. We're going to have to actually slice a cross section, you know, and there's some nerves and things like that. And I just decided that that was no, that I wasn't going to do that. And so what I did is I sought out the advice of an Ayurvedic physician, which is a physician of Eastern Indian science, uh, medicine, and... He put me on a lifestyle regimen, um, which involved, you know, waking before 6 a.m. and doing prayer and then um, eating on a very specific, mostly plant-based diet. 
Uh, and I had to take the smelliest herbs you could ever imagine in your entire life. <laughs> Not only did I have to ingest them, when I pulled them out of the bag, everyone would go screaming from the kitchen. It, it was, was the worst. The whole house smelled like like the sewer had backed up. It was crazy. Really? It was like sewage, sulfur, and dirt. And then in addition to that, I had like a She's kind eating of... eating it and rubbing it on her neck. And I was like, what are you doing? He was not in While support I'm of this. While I'm eating my hamburger. <laughs> yeah. what, were, what were they? I don't even know because I went to see this man, quite an authentic man. And in this tradition, it gets passed down from guru to student. So all I know is that he had jars in his basement of different kinds of dirt. <laughs> there's, so, there's no regulation there was happening here. none. Yeah. So I would come home with these bags and Rich is like, what did he give you? And I was like, this one, this thing, and this thing. So I started to use this paste that I would have to wrap my neck every night because it was quite big. Like you would see it very, it was like a golf ball that big. And you know, after about a couple months, I had pus coming out on my face. So hundreds of pimples on my face, which was making everyone in my life very upset. They, they, you know, I think in healing, a lot of times we just want it to go away. We want to take the pill and we want it to be done. But in true healing, the ugly has to come first. The body has to like purge it purge out. Purge it out, right. Before it can be cleansed. Exactly. So people were telling me, please stop taking the herbs. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's working. It's coming out. And I saw it starting to reduce and I knew I was gaining. But I ate this way off of one, one sheet of paper that he wrote in pencil, by the way, um, for almost two years, a year, maybe a year and eight months, and I completely healed myself, completely. It's, it's gone. It's never come back. I never had any other symptoms. Um, something that I was told was an impossibility to heal. So that was my first experience with food as medicine. And I thought, what an amazing gift because, you know, God had made me a thin person. So I never really, you know, how would I have discovered food as medicine if I had never experienced this imbalance? And I really felt it was a sacred opportunity and I didn't want to waste it. So from that point... And Rich at this point is he's still eating, eating drive-thru. Oh, he's yeah. eating, okay. yeah, in a double, a in and out burgers. A lot of Jack and Box involved. A lot of Jack and, and, Jack and Box involved. But this is another really important point to share is that prior to the staircase incident, when Rich was walking up the stairs and felt he was having a heart attack and had this awakening, we had been in a relationship together for the better part of seven years. And... I had seen him struggling, struggling with weight, struggling with his emotions. He's, you know, recovering alcoholic, you know, very, what I call dense. He was hidden behind this cloud of dense energy. And here I had this newfound connection to food as medicine, plus my yeah. spiritual path. And I kept reaching my hand out to him. But the more that I reached, the more paralyzed he became. And it was very tricky for me to find my way out of this because I had a lot of conversations with a lot of girlfriends and a lot of people who told me how right I was. You know, you're so right because your life, the way you're living is so much righter than his life. Yet here, my husband was not shifting and our marriage was not moving and it was not working. So I went and studied with this Indian master, medi Indian meditation master, and he spoke to me about the concept of divine love. And he said, well, divine love is like the sun, and it simply loves everyone without discrimination, without edit, constantly, ever, eternally, where human love is like a business arrangement. And it says, I love you if you yes. do these things. Conditional, transactional. Right. Exactly. So he said, so is it really love? And at that time, I think... You know, we, we hit a wall, we hit a bottom, and we broke up for like 24 hours. You know, I said, you, you have to leave. And we had a young baby, you know, our third daughter. And I said, you know, you have to move out. So I think Rich left. I think he was gone like 24 hours, and we couldn't stand it. And like, we got back together. <laughs> so I was really clear that yeah. I wanted to be with this man. Yeah. And somehow I was able to receive this teaching. It was kind of like when you take the ski lesson from the 20th instructor and they tell you the same thing, but you finally, the time you're like, oh, I get it. Like mm -hmm, just the mm -hmm, way it was mm -hmm. said. So I was able to receive these te this teaching and I, I looked at Rich and I thought, okay, well, I know that I'm, a, I'm an expression of God, of the one source of consciousness, whatever you want to call it. So if I am, well, then he is also. 
exactly out as he is wherever today. Wherever he is where, along the yeah, spectrum. Wherever he is in his journey. And so I committed to love him unconditionally as he was eating in and out burger and drinking Starbucks with three ad shots. And I called him and told him I was in error for being in your space. And I release you to your life. I release you to your experience. And I love you unconditionally. And I'm sorry. And like, I think he was waiting like for someone to jump out of the bushes and ambush him because he didn't, re- it was so out of character. But it was this act and this ability to grab this lesson that catalyzed the entire experience. And now I'll let Rich speak to that. because. Yeah, I mean, I remember that conversation quite well. And it, and it was that I was like looking at her strangely, like, who is this person mm-hmm. delivering? Like, where's the catch, right? Where's the, yeah. what, what's coming on in the wake of this? You know, the, the hook. If, if you... All right. this is true, if you will. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then there was no condition. And I think what that did, and it wasn't overnight, and, and I don't know that it was conscious in any way, but I think what it did ultimately was to deliver me to this place of having to grapple with self-responsibility. Because it was no longer like, oh, I need to change this so that she'll be happy or, you know, I can get her off my back. It, it was really suddenly a conversation with myself about, well, who are you? And like, what, what do you want to do for yourself, right? Like, if she doesn't care what you do, if you take suddenly, out, like, take I need to make that decision for, for myself. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. And I think that, that there was a, a gradual process of me coming into that awareness where suddenly the mirror was being flipped and I, I was forced to look at myself in the mirror in an objective way for the first time in a long time. And so I think that was indeed the catalyst that then set in motion a course of events that led me to being able to be on the Robcast right now. But in the short run, you know, when I had that staircase epiphany, I was then prepared to make some changes out of a desire to be a better version of myself, I think. That is fascinating. I, I don't think Kristen and I have ever done an event together when somebody didn't ask, what do you do when your partner and you are not on the same page? Or how do you stay on the same page? Mm-hmm. And it's generally because somebody, one of them, the, the person who's there, <laughs> is waking up in new ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I've had people, I've had people say, I remember a woman, this was like maybe a year and a half ago, said, raise her hand. My husband wants no new ideas, no new stimulus, no travel. He doesn't want to read anything. He doesn't want to listen. To he wants nothing new. Like just did this blistering, <laughs> what do I do kind of thing. And what's your response to that? Uh, well, I'll tell you, it happened in Chicago again a year ago. Um, the exact sort of, litany of why this person who wasn't in the room wasn't this wasn't this wasn't this and i uh and she said he wouldn't even come to this and when i told him he could he should be coming to this with me and i was like so shame so you're shaming yeah. as well okay so we just now know you're using everything in your toolbox uh but what's interesting i remember one time just saying to a woman because of the way she asked the question what if you treated him like he was the man you wished he would. Mm. Because what has helped transform you in your past? Were you most transformed when people give you long lists of things you aren't? Or was it a teacher, a parent, an aunt and uncle who told you something about what they, how they saw you? Mm-hmm. And that's at, grace is actually how you, I think. I yeah, think, I think, that's, I think that's spot on. And I think that's the other piece that kind of occurred in our dynamic because throughout this whole process, Julie, like she, she mentioned like, Oh, I was, I was dense, like dense, you know, energetically. Yeah. Right. But she always was able to kind of see this better version of me. Like she held out this vision for who I really was or what I could become not in a in an aggressive way of taking some kind of stance, but in like a just a very grounded like like knowing like mm-hmm. 
I see you. It's like a firm confidence. Mm -hmm. I know who you actually are. So whenever you get around to it. Yeah. And I, and I mean, isn't <laughs> yeah. that what, I mean, if we want to talk about the Christ principle, if we talk about it as just a you know, universal principle, um, for me, what I find is when I've been in trauma or I've been on my knees, what I need is for someone to look at me and say, I believe in you. Yes. I trust you and believe in you. Yeah. Not, you should be doing this, or why didn't you do that, or you could try to do this, or if you could be like that person over there. And what is the Christ principle? I mean, if we talk about quantum physics, and if we're creating things by our gaze, by our intention, right, right. And, and then we're holding our loved ones and saying everything that's wrong with them, we're, we're not in a Christ consciousness, but Christ consciousness would be holding you in your ultimate vision, yes. despite any appearances to the contrary. I and love then it. the extra element of that, which was the lesson I learned in this, was then the complete releasing of any ownership of it or right, attachment right. to it. Right. Now you're free. Now I'm free. So the thing was, is, you know, early in my spiritual path this lifetime, I was thinking, you know, I, w I was like, oh, well, I want to do this with him. You know, I want him to be on my page take taking the steps. And when I really got this teaching, and I was able to, to really take the wisdom into my cells, then I released him to life, understanding that it's not for me to say what his path is. His path is unique to him and him alone. He is not my source, even though he's my love, my, my beloved, my creative partner, my husband, the father of my kids. My source is the all one. A, you know, beyond. So whenever anything is out of balance, I think it's when couples are expecting the other person to fulfill some part of their trauma or, yes. or things that are yeah. missing. Yeah. So simply by releasing that being and turning your gaze to your own connection to this magnificent, magnificent force, I think right away you'll solve at least more than 50% of your issues, maybe more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting about turning to source, the ways in which the other person becomes a form of source, like you were supposed to fix me. And uh, <laughs> yeah. that just doesn't work. Where was that in the fine? What clause of the contract? <laughs> right, right, Can right. I find that provision? Okay, so Rich, so the sun starts to shine all the time. Sun is shining. Um, there's a moment in Finding Ultra when Rich goes out for a run and runs for a while, <laughs> and I think ends up running like for four hours. I mean, like twenty-four miles yeah, or something some, like that. Something he has something where he comes home, like he is in the book. And then when he told it in Rob Coast episode one thirty-four, um, <laughs> when you it's such a it's oh man, it's such a story. But he like he starts to tap into something previously untouched when he comes home and is having these their athletic running slash mystical transcendent states i would argue they're they're like peak experiences disguised as athletic mm -hmm. outpourings mm -hmm. that's exactly what it is when he is when he starts coming home from bike rides and runs that are they're like exploring the limits of human capability are you like what <laughs> are you surprised? Are you shocked? Are you just smiling like, oh, this is interesting? Well, no one's ever asked me that question quite that way before, which is why you're so amazing. Um, let's see. I, um, I am really bad with sports. I don't have an interest <laughs> in it. So I think when Rich, I, I will tell you that I had an overwhelming knowing that he was to do athletic uh, activities, that that was high on the list, right? Because <laughs> I had lived this life of cultivating this connection to heart, yeah. and that we all should live our heart. So here I was married, and if I wanted to live my heart, well, then I needed to want that same experience yeah. for my husband. But what some people don't know is that during this time, we were going through severe financial collapse. Yeah. So we were uh, we were we had cars repossessed. We lost health insurance. I didn't have a bank account for four years. I remember you clients, telling you were telling Kristen and I about the house. Yeah, like just telling them we'll get we'll at some point we'll get around to exactly. the mortgage. Telling exactly. the bank exactly writing letters to the bank. Remember you telling me the story. Oh, it was crazy. I mean, so so all of that was going on, and Rich came home, and yeah, he was 
this this these plants were starting to wake him up and this entire experience was having a big effect on him and i could see the density dropping off of him and um and he was coming home and i was telling him you train first you see to me and the children second and if a law dro job drops in your lap then you can service it but you're not allowed to try to get law work how did i know this how did you know right it was extreme faith something within my cells knew that in order to live a life of purpose of true connection to our hearts that we had to go through this fire and that this was not a financial collapse it was a sacred moment and it was a spiritual initiation to be a worthy teacher or a worthy example to another fellow human and so we had to go through the alchemy, the friction, the relentless friction, scraping of, of holding this burden through the fire until we could stand on the other side. And so early on, Rich said, babe, you know, there's this really cool race and it's a, it's a double Ironman race. I was going to ask the next question yeah. I was yeah. going to ask you when See? he told you about the, what's <laughs> yeah. it called? The, whole, uh, the, the Ultraman. 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 So he says, babe, it's a double Ironman race. Well, you have to understand, I don't know what an Ironman is, and I don't care to know what an Ironman is. So at the time, I say, I'm encouraging his heart. So I'm like, do it. Do and that this race. this is a six-mile ocean swim? Yeah, tell him how long. 54 miles. It's a three-day race that circumnavigates the big island of Hawaii, which is like about the size of Connecticut, essentially. <laughs> so yeah, the first day is a 6.2-mile swim and a 90-mile bike. Day two is 171 miles on the bike. And then the third day, it's a stage race. So the third day is a 52.4-mile run, a double marathon run. He hasn't yeah. run in races before. I had yeah. never done an Ironman. I had tried to do a half Ironman, and I couldn't finish it. Like, I was not... It wasn't like, oh, man, I'm on fire. Like, I right, got right. this. This like, is the was, next step. Yeah, no. He says, I want to do this. And you, not being terribly athletically inclined, were like, well, my love... What a wonderful way to spend the weekend. I'm like, awesome, do that. So, so we kind of had the, this agreement. And I have to say during, just to, just to sort of speak to the energy that Rich had from eating plants, he was training eight hours a day, coming home and then taking care of the kids. And I never found him asleep on the couch or ever slacking in that area. I think it was understood. Like he was very grateful that I was allowing him this, this, this time. And so he really showed up with the kids when he got home as well. But when he got home, I went to my friend's music studio to create music with my son. So mm -hmm. the only thing that was working for me was my music mm -hmm. with my boys. And the only thing that was working for Rich was his training. And none of those things were bringing in any money. Like none of those had anything to do with like sustenance <laughs> right. or, or taking care. So it was this really important one day that he, you know, he would say goodbye and I would be in the kitchen and the door would open and the door would shut. And then eight hours later, the door would open and he would come in. I had no idea what he was doing. It wasn't always eight hours. Well, I'm just going to he was that. out running, Running, swimming, training, biking. cycling. Yeah, cycling, you know, for many hours. Like yeah. upwards of 25 hours a week or something. And then he'd show time. up. He'd show up. He'd show back up. The door would open. And then I'd just hand him a kid. And I'd be like, see, I'm going, I'm going to sing now. And one, one day, I'm like halfway through. And he stops and he says to me, do you understand that I just ran a marathon and I'm mid-stride and I stop and I look at him and I say, actually, I had absolutely no idea that you just <laughs> ran a marathon. And so at that point, I thought, you know, this guy is really trying to uh, break some boundaries and I'm very good in the kitchen and so I'm going to cook for him and I'm going to have a spread of recovery food ready for him every day that he comes home and I'm going to love him that way. And that those 50 recipes were our first cookbook that was the Jai Seed online cookbook that I had. I begged Rich. I was like, we're starving. Please, could you take these recipes, create an online book, and let's sell it. And, you know, for $9.99, that product fed our family, just bought us the bare necessities for quite, quite a long time. But that was, that was why I went into food. Really, mm -hmm. see, see, this is everybody who's doing something interesting. 
especially everybody who's doing something that other people are like, well, that must be nice to be them. I'm always like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Go back because absolutely for sure there will be these, these defining moments when they chose, they turned left and everybody else were turned right. When they were like, no, the money will sort itself out. No, I know people don't understand, but there's something within me that has to try this. I'd rather, you know what I mean? Everybody. I love that. I love that, that, that whole, uh, oh, it was, oh, well, he can do it because X, Y, and Z, or, oh, it must be easy for you, (laughs) you know, because (laughs) I just laugh when I see that. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not that person's fault, but it, it doesn't tell the whole story because we, we really burned in the fire. I mean, we really were f- forced to our knees and into a mm. place where we had to live moment to moment. And there were plenty of periods of extreme doubt and emasculation on my part as a husband and a father who was struggling to be able to provide for his family um, and really questioning this bizarre path that we were blazing for which there was no example. There's nobody, we, we couldn't say like, well, this person did it, so we're going to kind of do it like that person. There How was many times like, have I had that? Like family and friends kind of like, you get that weird look. Like, like they don't want to be so <laughs> impolite as to actually tell you you're insane, but you can kind of like gauge sure. their, their, sure. the way they're looking at you. And they're like, these people think we're crazy. You know, yeah. there was a lot of that. And, and so it was, a, it was a, there was some loneliness, I think, for a period of time. Um, and I think it really tested our marriage because I think we went through something that would have blown apart a lot of relationships. And we were able to leverage it to actually grow closer and to bring our family together more closely. And we, you know, we went through a lot of difficult times that I don't wish on anybody. And, and, and I still hold some shame over um, conditions that my kids had to experience that I wish they didn't have to. Uh, but I think ultimately now, as Julie kind of so eloquently spoke to earlier, like to be able to come out of that, there is, a, um, there is like a, a, a gravity, like a gravitas having weathered that experience where I think that allows us to then step into a place of service mm-hmm. in, in a more meaningful way than had that not occurred. If I would have met you all around that time and been like, oh yeah, there's going to be a bunch of cookbooks. There's going to be <laughs> like retreats. There's going to be this whole new space of people realizing that body, food, exercise spirit are all connected um, and you'll be fine and you'll have all these opportunities which you have been like no there's no way (laughs) yeah there's like no way it was yeah it was it was kind of curious you know people ask me I, i i do call it extreme faith and it was unwavering like i didn't stay up at night questioning my resolve i i never did i never did i never lost a night's sleep um, we were tested. It went on a lot longer than I thought. I was mm-hmm. like, this is going to turn around. And then I was like, you know, all right, already. Like, you know, I mean, and- it really kicked in after Finding Ultra came out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't oh, like, oh, I write this memoir and then it's all gravy. Like, the volume actually got turned up after that book yeah, came we got out. Yeah, extra and got, tested. And things got really hard. Super yeah. tested after yeah. that. So a big theme of that mm-hmm. of that memoir is when... Um, when you're kind of right with yourself in the world, when your spirit is true, the universe will conspire to support you. And that is an experience that I had in, you know, what transpires in that book. And it's an experience I've witnessed in others. And in the wake of that book coming out, I was kind of like, okay, my heart is true. I'm ready to receive. And there was, the phone was not ringing. You know, it was like, it was like a, suddenly we were in the AP course of like, okay, well, just how, how legit is your faith? Like you said <laughs> that in that book, but let's, let's like turn the heat up a little bit more and see if that's actually true, you know? And so we had and, to burn a little bit more. And there was, a, there was a moment at that moment where we, you know, we looked at each other and we were like, we are on the verge of either realizing all of our dreams or 
being completely annihilated and every single thing we made, every single decision we made was the wrong one. You know, right. or not like <laughs> right. yeah, we right, were right. we we didn't know which way it was gonna go. 50-50. And what we had to do was lay it down at the feet of the force again with no attachment. Yeah. And say there was a moment, you know, I, I was in love with my music. My music kept me alive during mm-hmm. those years. I mean, the experience of becoming a musician with my boys, with my yeah. children over seven years. It was I love all the pictures uh, in book one of you and the boys playing together. So cool. That's you a know? cool mom. It's a, for the record. It was just thank you. It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, it was just extraordinary. I couldn't I couldn't have written a, a more a bigger blessing. And yet and the music had touched us and we had played it and sung it a little bit and people would break down crying like they could feel our mm-hmm. they could feel the emotion in it and yet there came a point where i was like maybe nobody does need to hear that music maybe it was just for us maybe nobody is ever going to know and i had to even be resolved in in devotion in that reality so it was again Right. The giving it up. Just when you're like, okay, now it's like downhill. Mm-hmm. Now the roller coaster has hit the top and now we just glide down. Oh, there's another one. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. And what I, I learned, what this is like maybe be helpful for anybody listening who's going through this. And I, I call this being dismantled. And what I say is if you've ever been dismantled, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because it's an energy that is a, a very specific quality. It's an energy where you could stand out a thousand resumes and you would never get a job. Like, energy's being repelled from you because you're going through this metamorphosis. Like, you're in, you're in a cocoon or you're in a fire being recreated, alchemized into something new. Um, but, wait, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, 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 yeah. So, what I learned is, is when the... When the when the curveballs get thrown at you or the challenges appear, it's all just a ref- it's a game, right? Mm-hmm. It's a reflection. You're learning about you. You're coming home to yourself. So it it was like I learned that if I could shorten my resistance or emotional reaction to any event, I could make it evaporate very quickly. So I would coach Rich on his emotional neutrality. So it would be things like, oh, the car's on fire, but the emo- <laughs> the emotion would be flatline. Yeah, and we oh, would look, just the car. Is oh, look! In observation, yes. the car is actually really on fire, and then, you know, we would just l- not be in the drama at all, not talk about it, not go into oh the you know what are we gonna do, like literally, I I was experimenting with if I could lessen that resistance to nothing and go total Jedi warrior. Total, like, in the solution, neutral, merged, present. And soon those things stopped happening. But for a while there, it was like, of course Rich got pulled over. Of course the car blew up. I mean, it was... It was so much that it's even hard to remember. And I'm writing my memoir now. And so I'm going back and... And it's, you know, like I forget certain things that we went through. It was extensive in many different areas. But it's that, it's that lesson that, that all human suffering is resistance to what is, right? Mm. So the more right. you can be in acceptance, like total acceptance around what's happening. And there were, as difficult as it was, I do remember there were times where, like, we would conduct ourselves like everything's fine. And that just made, like, I would have moments I'm like, are we just completely crazy? Because there were so many things that were not working properly. We have so many reasons to be mental and right now. And then other people would be yeah. like, how come you're not freaking out? Like, yeah. you must, there must be something wrong with you, right? And it raises all these questions about how much of it we're manifesting through our own tension and failure to trust and how much of this we're creating. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. Okay. Now, I have, specific, I have all sorts of more specific questions. Um, for you all, food is way bigger than food. Like even looking through the photos, even if I just go through the photos in your books, food is about a whole way of thinking about the world. Like yeah. you think about the ancient Hebrew tradition, food is the most primal way in which you receive. Like if you don't eat, you don't survive. So it's the gift that multiple times a day you have to receive a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, like you say, grace mm-hmm. before a meal. Um, but there's a, this feeling that you are, it's like a, these are cookbooks, but it is a larger orientation towards gift that sort of 
surges through all of it. It's, yeah, it's energy, it's life. Mm -hmm. It's life expanded. And, you know, I would say it's like I'm looking at these Instagram feed now that are part of our books, but it was funny because the first cookbook that we did, Jai Seed, was we didn't have money to photograph dishes and we just, we just created it with a bunch of pictures of our family. Like we just put, we have, we have a lot of really great photographers in the family. So we just, we were like, oh, let's use that. So it was just pictures of us with then recipes, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of funny looking back on that now, how that connected. But, you know, I would say that my divine design, you know, my spiritual name is Ma'ananda Srimati, and it means blissful, beautiful, and fortunate, which is really amazing for me. The spiritual name is three things. It's the being of who you are, it's the path to enlightenment, and it's the goal of enlightenment. That's what the meaning of the name. So for me as an artist, when I was given that name, it was a beautiful blessing for me because I create beauty. And so what I create in these books through the food, through the experience with the people, the humanity, the nature, the ingredients, it's it's an offering of beauty. And it's infused with our journey, with our own vibration of what we went through as a family. And so that vibration comes through the pages. And when you create these recipes, it carries an activation or a vibration which can expand you into a greater experience of yourself. And each being who reads these books will receive exactly what they need. You know, they might not need some parts of it, but something about it, something about the truth of it, which is something you can't create, you can't make a marketing slogan. Yeah, 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 right, right. It just exists. I've often felt that in my books, like I am cramming my life into these little black etchings on white pages in the hopes that somebody opens that page and whatever spirit was in me starts coming out of those little black mm-hmm. etchings on white space. It's and, beautiful. And, and, and when, when people just knock off a book, like, oh, I just have a, someone over here does it for me, or I just... One time I was, you'll love this. One time I was doing this event, this speaking at this arena, and this very, very famous author came by, introduced himself, and I'd heard all about this guy, and he said, and this is so and so, my writer, and there was a, he has a guy on his payroll who goes everywhere with him, and then he'll be like walking along and be like, seven steps to financial success, and the guy will be like, you know what I mean, like type it or write it, and then sort of these books come about with him like walking around just sort of spouting off and there's this guy and I thought ah it's not sweaty enough <laughs> yeah. maybe he's just gaming the system and he's making there's a lot dollars. of people like that but I actually. I uh which is uh, fine I guess but yeah. um I love I I love how you describe that because there's a sense when you make something mm. you're in it and like your little atoms are vibrating in it with the hopes that it'll start vibrating for someone else when they encounter it. Well, yeah. food is all, also, food is the ultimate unifier. It's something that we all share. It's something that can unite us all. And it's that thing that fundamentally connects us to the planet and helps us understand yeah. that this idea of separation is illusion, right? That we truly are right. all one. And the, the simple fact, act of taking in the planet into our bodies three times a day is profound. And I think we've moved away from that fundamental reality as a culture in a very unhealthy and profound way. Yeah, We've yeah, lost yeah. that connection. We've lost that sense of understanding. And, and I think food is, is really an, uh, a, a sort of a portal to the soul and a portal for, for personal and spiritual growth. You are taking in an energy, a vibration, and if you think that that doesn't have an impact on how you feel in the energy that you then emote and how you interact with other people and how you perform at your job and how you communicate with your spouse and your children, then, then you're in denial, I think. Mm. I think it has a profound impact on all of those things. And it's more than just the macronutrients, how much protein and fat, et cetera, it's about, it's about like your connection to your environment and an appreciation for that and an understanding that the more deeply you can invest yourself in that relationship, 
the more um, the more I think you will find an opportunity to continue to grow personally. Oh, that's so well said. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, a couple other questions. I am so struck with like it. We want people to move into later stages of consciousness. We want to see a later connection. Um, we want people to see that everything is one. We want. I'm so fascinated with how often people come along and they're trying to get people to take steps forward, but it's guilt, shame. Sometimes it's like a courtroom. They're making a case, hoping we'll all go, you're right, uh-huh. I am guilt. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and what I think is so fascinating and what I've tried to do in my work and what I see in, in, with you, and even inviting, simply inviting people to eat more plants, let's just start there, is I think we are seduced into new ways of living. Mm-hmm. Because everybody has that person who was a step ahead of them in some area and started, they bought them nine books and they shamed them and they preached to them. And it actually worked the... Uh, it, it, in reverse. Yeah, it actually forced the person to dig in their heels and retrench. Right. Well, this is, this is basically you're describing Facebook right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right, right. And what I love about you all is I, I've never picked up a whiff of guilt or shame or you are 30 pounds overweight and you know it. You know, that sort of thing where everybody's like, oh, my word. Or greenhouse gases from industrial agriculture are like really, really, really lethal for the future of our grandchildren. Like that sort of thing. Um, I, you, I've picked up facts from you and I, you all here and there, and there are basic ethel, ethical arguments, but I've, n- I've only ever seen from you all, we're just going to make like great food. Yeah. And we're just going to live well. Yeah. And we're going to talk about what we're passionate about. And there'll be joy running through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So thank you. And then secondly, that is that something you, is that just an intuitive? Because, um, I mean, like a lot of people, the word vegan, they're like, I'm out of here. Right. And you all have done what I think is a very admirable, unique thing in that you have never resorted to that sort of thing which just, which just splits people even more, mm-hmm. as opposed to this cheese is nuts. It's better than other kinds of cheeses. I, you know what I mean? I yeah. rest my case. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, is that uh, you know, creation is vast, right? And and everyone's experience of life is really only relevant to their own connection to consciousness. So. I am not here and Rich is not here to tell people what to do in their own life. You know, they're the, uh, they're yeah, right. the stewards or the shepherds yeah. of their own life, not me. Yeah. I have no idea. How could I know their life? I'm not in their life. All we can do is share our experience. And mm-hmm. because we, we have a very deep experience in many different layers, you know, from, my, from my, where I originated from, from Alaska eating meat to healing myself from a cyst in my neck to having a transformational experience as Rich's wife as he became a plant-based ultra man. Um, and now we've, we're creating these books and we have a lot of kids. So it's a different, you know, it's been a different process for each one of those children. Yeah. Um, so what we do is we share our experience in neutrality, in that neutrality and maturity. We are offering this. This is an offering. Please take what serves you. And please let leave the rest. Oh, that's so great. That idea of sharing well said. sharing your experience is something I learned in in sobriety. It's like we're not here to give advice or to tell anyone what they should or they shouldn't do. The only thing that I can do is share my experience as openly and honestly and as transparently yeah. as possible. And I think the books reflect that. And I think, you know, look, I can talk at length about all those subject matters, whether they be the environment or the health, like, you know, I know what's going on, but I'm also very aware, to answer your question, like, is this intentional? Yeah, it is intentional. Like, I'm very aware that that preaching to people is not the path to activation. What you have to do is lay something out that's so awesome that people can't help but be magnetized by it or interested in it. So, yeah, mm. the che- in, in this cheese is nuts. Like, it's not just vegan cheese. Like, it has to be better than what's currently available if you want to, like, win the battle. So we're always trying to position this lifestyle that's been so transformative for us in a light that makes it attractive and accessible and aspirational for, for anybody that happens upon it. 
And that's so well. If said. I could add, and and hopefully throughout sharing our experience transparently and honestly, we've shown that our life is human. We are human. It has been a very full experience with tragedy, triumphs, you know, successes, seeming failures. Um, we have struggled. We have gone through the same experiences that every human being goes through, and hopefully, because of that raw transparency, we had made it easy for someone to sit close to us and feel and feel good, feel well, pulling up a chair and sitting down close to us, mm -hmm. because they can feel their humanity within us and understand that we don't have you know, this is not a judgment or a sentence or anything. It's simply an offering. This has been our life to date. Oh, that's so great. That's so well said. Okay, one more thing on the heels of that. Mm -hmm. What is the one thing doing retreats all over the world on health, wellness, yoga, food, breathing? What's the... Is there something that constantly surprises you or is there something that everybody, when they grasp it, changes everything or doing those retreats, what has most struck you time and time again? You want me to take it? Yeah, I'm trying to think of how Is there a discussion so, between the two well, of you that you I mean, keep I going? I mean, I have a sense of how I want to answer, but go ahead, <laughs> Julie. No, so the thing that's amazing is... Uh, you know, the, the last day of the retreat, you know, we come together and we spend this week together and, and, you know, yoga practice immediately just, you know, drops everybody's defenses and, and the first plant-based meal they're connecting and the place is insane as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rich gives his keynote and, you know, a lot, there's just a lot of teaching and a lot of sharing and, and I do meditation and yoga nidra and, and different kinds of of uh, yogic experiences and sharing like we did on this podcast today. But on the final day, we gather in circle and we, we kind of set it up as a moment to form a, a council circle and allow each member to stand and be seen and just be seen and speak and share. And the floodgates that open up with really? the first speaker... I mean, it's a four-hour sobbing session that is so profound. I mean, it's what strikes me is the healing and transformation that come from gathering in community around plant-based food, practicing yoga, sharing pure heart, movement, the nature, but then also allowing somebody to have the stage. And we make a vow that we will hold them in their highest expression no matter what they're going through for the rest of their lives. And we all make that agreement. And the first time it happened, like we, we were like, we don't know how this is gonna go, you know? And it was literally four hours. And then the second time, you know, we were talking and we we're like, well, I don't know, they're a little bit more buttoned up group and the same exact thing. Again. Ha yeah, the it happens again. The floodgates open every time. Yeah. Yeah, and so what I take away from that is just the 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 common humanity that we all share you know there were people that would show up and say i'm just here for the food man you know like i'm good like everything's <laughs> rocking you know and then by the end seven of the week. days later <laughs> yeah. you know like they're cracked wide open and they're talking about that you know it's like we all have our pain and we all have yeah. our challenges and you know we can't escape that in this human condition no matter what car you're driving or where you live or what your job is or what your bank account is and to the extent that we can kind of unite around these ideas and 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 collectively work to you know work through the issues that each of these people and ourselves are contending with it's a beautiful thing and and it's funny for me cuz i always show up on the first day of these things and and i'm like what do these people think I'm going to do for that? You know, like I get, I'm very nervous because I'm like, I'm Are you project. Really? Well, because when You're you do not, the, as I'm, I'm interested in you, you go out and you do the podcast. Everybody, everybody has an idea of who you are, right? And they show up to hear you speak or they wait in line for you to sign a book for them. And there's inevitably a projection, this idea that they have about who you <laughs> right. are that is being, you know, sort of foisted upon you. And you have to kind of take that 
and figure out how to communicate with that person to show up for them in, in, in an authentic way, but also in a way that, that you can kind of intuitively sense like they need to hear from you, right? And so Absolutely. That's a, there, that takes an emotional acuity and also um, you pay an emotional price for that. It can be draining, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And I but, say, oh, so worth it. I mean, so worth it. Absolutely. So amazingly worth it. I would say three, three times I had uh, individuals that were raised in uh, Christian, uh, very fundamental households. You know, some of them, their fathers were preachers. And I received communication, very sweet communication from them after the retreat where their experience of our Plant Power Way retreat was a reuniting of them with their spirituality that they had left. Oh, sure, right. So that was really kind of cool um, to just, you know, sort of allow a bridge back for It's like that. a way back in mm-hmm. to it spirit. nice. That doesn't yeah. have all of the baggage and all that. Yeah. I'm so struck with how we can fly around the world and eat in other countries, and we're so sophisticated, and yet... To this day, being seen, being heard, being loved, being accepted, still just for everybody. <laughs> it, it trumps yeah, everything. It's like thing, crazy, right? It just cuts right? through everything. Uh-huh. It does. It cuts through everything. We just want someone to be like, you're good. You're, good. you're okay. You did well there. That's what I mean. <laughs> right. That's why that one piece of advice, and this is something on that when I sign off on my podcast, I often say, and remember, even if no one else believes in you, I believe in you to find your way into living your true authentic self. How could it be otherwise? For you are a divine emanation of consciousness. That's what I wanted someone to tell me. I was like, I'm not a deadbeat. I'm in my sacred moment. <laughs> like someone. <laughs> yes. You know? I often think with my work, I'm, I'm trying to make things that if I would have seen them a while ago, I would have been like, that guy did that. Yes. Right. Good job. Good right, job. right, right. Okay, I want to read your, um, ladies and gentlemen, <coughs> Julie um, Pyatt, a.k.a. Srimati. This is her in the back of the book. I love the Italia, the um, Plant Power Italia, the descriptions, a true, a true spiritual wellness warrior. I love, I hadn't seen that sentence about you before, but it is. You're like a wellness warrior. It like fuses two things. You know what I mean? It's like fierce, but like connected spirit in the groove. I love that. So let's talk um, author, podcast host, name of the podcast? Divine Through Line. Divine Through Line. T-H-R-O-U-G-H-L-I-N-E. Plant-based chef, motivational speaker, meditation guide, yoga teacher, singer. Where can they get your music? Uh, CD Baby or on my site, srimati.com. S-R-I-M-A-T-I dot com. Um, And where else? um, And they can get all this iTunes. I'm on iTunes. uh, Divine Through Lines on iTunes. And um, music is on iTunes and CD Baby and Srimati. If they go to srimati.com, they can find everything. Okay, great. Srimati.com. And Instagram, Srimati. And and I love your description. Rich Roll is a graduate of Stanford University in Cornell, Boston. (laughs) (laughs) That Can is I write funny. that? I don't even know. I don't even that think I've. Awesome. Yeah, that's a publisher thing. I think uh, I did have to provide that. The bio, Rich Roll though. podcast is legendary, everybody. So that's just that's just a given. I can't recommend Finding Ultra enough. Um, that book really, really, really moved me. I got really emotional reading oh, that. Thanks, book. man. I don't even think I knew. I don't think we, we were friends. No. But I was like, I love this guy. Mm. I could totally. I, I assume everybody reads and goes, I can be <laughs> friends with this guy. Oh my word. Um, and. Um, what else should, should people know? The book, the new book, is The Plant Power Way, Italia, Julia Pyatt, and Rich Roll. What else people need to know about? Um, well, Finding Ultra, my memoir, I actually just re-released an updated, um, revised version of that as well. So even if people read it when it came out in 2012, it's about 100 pages longer now. Is it really? 30 to 40% new material. Wow. Yeah, and I kind of picked the story up where it left off and, and tell a little bit about what we talked about today, like kind of what, what, what we had to went through. <laughs> so you don't have to. Buy it again. Um, I have a copy for you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's available too. And I redid the audio book and all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, that's, that's really it. We're just, we're thrilled to talk to you. You know, we're just, uh, we could have sat down and talked about 
anything. Isn't that fun? Just like we love everything Rob. Rob. I'll tell you the and thing Kristen. about I I I haven't heard you talk about your marriage and staying together, and I I just more and more and more we these are the stories that everybody needs, and especially when people are like, well, well, look what you know must be nice. You're like, N- I always know, no, no they I went through fire. That's why they make it look like that. Yeah. That's why you're you like want what they have because they were willing to go through the fire. That's mm-hmm. how it works. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you, thank you. Rob. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Robcast in the kitchen with Ritual and Julie Pyatt. <laughs> I'm trying to make like a like an official sounding tag at the end. <laughs> but thank you. You all mean the world to me. You're so inspiring um, from afar and becoming your friend. It's just been amazing. So thank you for the books, among other things. Thank among you. all the other things. So everybody, thank you and grace and peace. We love you, Rob. Thanks. We love you. Thank you, Rob.